in sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. Welcome into the No Off Days podcast. Chris Cato to my left. BK is in the booth. I am Scott Smith. A lot to get to today. Uh, We had a big story come down uh, earlier today that involves the Live and PGA Tour living harmoniously together. Shocking story. How in the world is this possible? We're going to dive into all of it, but... I was trying to think through like uh, moments where, whether in in movie or in TV, or in real life, where like sworn enemies became allies. Do any, I mean I, I was thinking of like Apollo Creed and Rocky and Rocky Three. Uh, these two are now together uh, to to fight Dolph Lundgren, maybe or whatever his. Uh, you have Hulk and Macho Man. I believe yeah. they were enemies, and then they were they were together at some point and then enemies again so they're tag team wrestlers now all of a sudden i don't know that's essentially what's happening here yeah this is the um this is star wars this is the rebellion and this is the empire teaming up against some other extraterrestrial force out there okay yeah it's wild star trek uh, captain kirk and and uh and uh, what's the other feller's name? Con. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll stop looking for uh, for That's, analogies now. There's, perhaps there's nothing that is perfect, but uh, we'll get into all the details in this. But it, it was pretty shocking today when I saw this. Well, and the, and by the time people listen to this podcast, we will know much more, right? You and I are still Hopefully, kind of yeah. yeah, maybe we're still kind of piecing this together. How is this going to work? You know, what are they going to call it? Those kind of things don't really matter, but there are just bigger questions to be answered. The biggest being, how do you go from one year ago where the PGA is like, this is traitorous, this is anti-patriotic to defect to this league that's funded by a government that yeah. oppresses so many of the things we stand for. A little for. bit of pearl clutch in there. A lot of that. And, and how this has changed. And really, the, the reports at this time, again, at this taping, say this kind of came together in the last few weeks. Yeah. There were some of the biggest names in the PGA, i.e. Rory McIlroy, who have been putting their necks out there for the PGA that didn't know this was coming down. And wow. And yeah. now, now we have this board that the um, this member of the Saudi royal government is going to be the chairman of this board that directs Let's this Let's not give away too many details. We're going to unpack what we know, and maybe we can try to put these pieces together and, and try to figure out what might have happened here uh, in this new move. Let's bring okay. in BK in the booth. Brian, were you as shocked as we were, or did you have a feeling this was all coming back around kind of like the AFL-NFL merger back in the day? Completely shocked. Yeah. Completely shocked. In fact, I think it was Cato that texted me and asked me to live in PGA. I hadn't even heard about it, so he, he broke it to me. And yes, then, uh, Cato's been on this story for weeks now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Privy to conversation. I couldn't mm-hmm. say anything ahead of time. Yeah. Sorry well, to keep you guys in the I dark. I saw eyeballs. I said, now what does eyeballs emoji mean? You know, <laughs> Why so. did Cato put all these letters together? <laughs> live, right. live PGA. What does that what mean? What does that yeah. mean? Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, it's shocking. And it's kind of, it's interesting to see what's going to come of it. I mean, how, is golf going to change drastically? I mean, it has to, right? Well, I, I don't think it will. <sighs> Change drastically. I, it, it, well, it, it, they had teams. They had right. There's format differences. Play, you know, or is it? I don't know. I'll, we'll discuss it later. Maybe <laughs> it's a fall league. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hey, we got a great show coming yeah, up today. Uh, NHL playoffs in the thick of the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. We're going to check in with both teams, uh, TV analysts, radio analysts too. Bill Lindsay first with the uh, Florida Panthers. He'll check in. Then we'll talk with Darren Elliott the Vegas Golden Knights uh, analysts for their uh, pregame shows and postgame shows and stuff. So we'll find out what the vibe is there in Vegas and in Miami. You well, got, you guys it's feel, not very good down in yeah, Miami right now. Nah. So they you, need to turn this around. You guys feel like by the time, you know, maybe this podcast is released that we may have be maybe crowning a Stanley Cup champion? Like, does Florida have a chance here based on what you've seen well, so far? I'm hoping we get our podcast released uh, <laughs> Before quicker than that. Over. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's make sure we're on that. Um, but, no, I, I, I think it's – I think they're going to – I think the Panthers are going to make a series of it. I think – Yeah. It, you know, it, it could be Vegas in the, at the end of the day. I mean, the way that they've dominated through these first two games is impressive, but – uh, but we saw we saw them down three one in the uh, in the Boston series too, and, mm-hmm. and, and special teams played a, a big factor in that series as well. But the Panthers kind of outgutted them and, and and stretched this thing out and ended up taking it. And I think in seven. So um, I, I would anticipate a little bit more fight. I mean, this team got to this point because they're they're a gritty veteran bunch, and I think that they will show that. But 
boy, it hasn't been the case the first yeah. two games. So, but now it comes back to sunrise, and we got a new series. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then at the end of the show, BK. End of the show. I don't know if you've heard, but the Buffalo Bills broke ground on their new stadium coming up. Mm-hmm. It's going to take about three years for that to con- uh, be completed. So I was starting to think, how long does it take to build certain things? And so I'm going to give you a quiz on what landmarks throughout the world and their construction time, and you tell me which one took longer to build. All right, here's what I know. Okay. Rome wasn't built in a day. That's okay. true. My okay. Uh, ancestor told me that. It was at okay. least two. Yeah, Cato he, the Elder. He was, did he have anything to do with that? He was involved in some of the early blueprints. Okay. But so he like put the street the, grids. Yeah, but he yeah. put the Colosseum in the middle of the vomitorium. Things got messy. Oh, and the he vomitorium. got. Yeah, you know. Uh, they had, they had to have one of those. It was a big uh, auditorium devoted to vomiting? Yeah, they okay. would have these giant feasts and were oh, you know, really? days long of eating and drinking, and then they would go to the vomitorium and purge themselves. Like my favorite movie, Stand By Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Lard A, Lard <laughs> no, A. That's what happened, but they said it in Italian, of course, so yes. it sounded much better. Okay, very good. The, have you ever built anything? Uh, I built some Lego sets with my son Yeah. Yeah. that came to get, took a long time to build those two missing I built, parts. I built a chicken coop. And uh, that was like the first big thing I've ever built. It yeah. took a while. Were the chickens happy with it? It's still standing. Okay. Survived a hurricane, if, didn't if it? They, if they complain, <laughs> I'll wring their little necks. <laughs> you so, would never yeah, do that uh, to yeah, Sweet we, Pepper. We made the, the Taj Mahal. Well, rest in peace. Pepper died. Oh, yeah. sorry to bring that Ooh. up. Um, <laughs> she laid a lot of good eggs, though. I don't, during can, I don't know that we can move on. <laughs> um, okay. Yes, very good. I, I'm excited to, to dive into uh, some of the historic buildings. And, um, and we'll give our... our you know kind of our viewpoint because we apparently have a lot of it <laughs> well, do. on you what it takes <laughs> what is required you never know where brian's quizzes are going to take us from no. one week to the next i need this quick google search when was the crane invented that might help us th- figure out ah uh, yes it was All invented right. by ralph macchio very good no wait yes. Mr. Miyagi. wax on wax off that is the last detail on this building. All right, thank you, BK. Thanks, if you're Brent. listening and you want to watch, go to fox13news.com slash nodpod. If you're watching and you want to listen or subscribe, take out your phone, zap that QR code on the screen in the bottom right-hand corner. There you can find all of our shows where uh, we have merged sports into news that you can't use into a beautiful <laughs> non-Saudi-backed podcast. Please subscribe, fox13news.com slash Nod pod. Right. But if the royal family would like to have a conversation, <laughs> we're always willing to reconsider. <laughs> we don't yes. close doors to anything here yes. on no. the Nod Pod. How could you? Unless yeah. we get to benefit. Um, <laughs> all right. So PGA and Live Tour, they uh, come around together and they have uh, merged. They, uh, despite all, all the outrage over Saudi-backed Live, they have now joined forces. So a, a bizarre twist, to say the least. I want to go through kind of what the articles these early articles that are coming out on the details of this are saying and then i want to figure out who is in control and why these things have taken place because it it seems from the outset that the the pga they didn't have to go to live i mean they seem to be you know they have the name they have the id they have the the the, the majors the, the power yeah the tradition so why would they have to concede this why would they have to give in so let's kind of get into this a little bit uh here are some of the details the party the parties have signed an agreement that combines pif which is the investment that go that, which is the saudi backed portion of live which right. is like 90 plus percentage of of the live golf uh they have they have um, combined PIF's golf-related commercial businesses and rights, including Live, with the commercial businesses and rights of the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour, which is also a Saudi-backed uh, European tour, into a new collectively owned, okay? So this is not just a we're selling out as a Live. We're not selling our shares or, or our operation. We're not PGA. backing out. This we're is We're still all in. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. together on this. A f- a for-profit entity to ensure that all stakeholders benefit from a model that delivers maximum excitement and competition among the game's best players. All right, so uh, PIF will make a capital investment into the new entity to facilitate its growth. So the money is coming from PIF. In fact, it says that they will be the exclusive investor into this new entity that does not have a name yet. I can't imagine that they would deviate from the PGA Tour, though. No, I mean, because that, that's the long-standing traditional. Ah, yeah, that yeah. would be crazy. But so they are—they are the exclusive investor here, uh, and on top of that, they also have the exclusive right to further invest. Uh, they have the right of first refusal on any other capital that is invested into this new entity. 
So follow the money here, Chris. They have, they are, in, they are investing the money, and they say we are the first and exclusive investor into this new entity. And if anybody else wants to get in down the road, we have the first right of refusal. What does that tell you? Who has the power here? Well, it says that Liv has the power, which, as you alluded to in the beginning, why? Uh, because the PGA has money and, in fact, has found money in the past year to increase the purses of its major tournaments, to, in, to uh, create this player performance fund where they could satisfy some of the gripes of the players that felt like the PGA was being stingy with its distributions. PGA has plenty of money. So... I don't know. I mean, it's, it's again, this well, is early. It's a real mystery. But clearly, it, it sounds like Liv had the whip hand here. Yes. So I think that this next detail will give you maybe a little bit further insight into what might be happening. So they have mutually agreed to end all pending litigation between the participating parties. So there was an antitrust lawsuit that was brought by Liv golfers. Phil Mickelson was in that group, Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, accusing the PGA Tour of trying to threaten and coerce and, you know, all these sponsors and agents and vendors to avoid live golfers. Uh, they're basically trying to destroy the reputation and the brand of live. And, and we saw that play out, right? I mean, yeah. obviously, you're going to take this blood money. You're going to do that. These people are going to do this type of thing. And, and so, but they're acute, this antitrust lawsuit, and I have not seen the details of what the actual accusations are. But it's been brought by these live golfers against the PGA Tour. They have now settled that. That is one of the number one things coming out of every article you will read, that all litigation has been settled moving forward. Which I think that that means that there was something to it. Indicates there was something that the PGA was facing what it saw as a huge loss coming from, yeah. from, from this lawsuit here, uh, facing a big settlement. I think that's a big part of it. Um, and in addition to that, you know... <laughs> Money can buy a lot of things, and I think in this case it has brought an about face by the PGA Tour, and I'm just curious what that dollar is. Like, what is the price of buying your allegiance? Uh, now we're okay. A minute ago we weren't okay, and now we're okay. Well, the truth is we may never know, right? Yeah. I mean, this isn't a public entity. It's, it's public for Saudi Arabia public investment fund but but we won't know the details of this we know that phil mickelson as you said who initiated some of those lawsuits he he tweeted today as this news broke awesome day today happy face emergency Under, happy face understated, emoji. I, 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 understated troll tweet of the year probably yeah. i feel like they should name this new tour phil was right <laughs> uh, because a lot of these gripes that that he brought forth and, you know, his reason for leaving the PGA and, and joining Liv, and he kind of broke the dam on that, right? He was yeah. the first big name to go, then Dustin Johnson and others. A lot of these things seem to be validated now. Um, and, and you do wonder yeah. what this new format will look like. They say they're going to let this current season of the Live Tour play out before they hash all this other stuff out. But, you know, one, one attraction of Liv is that you had 54 holes, Liv 54, the Roman numerals, so you didn't have to make a cut. Uh, which, you know, satisfied a lot of players that said, look, why do I have to show up and spend my own money to fly to these tournaments every week and not be guaranteed a paycheck? So you wonder if this new whatever it's called, Phil was right league or whatever it is, that will be part of it where you don't have cuts in some of these major tournaments. Yeah, well, I think that, that uh, the format changes, we may see some of that. I would anticipate probably a few. You may have a few off events that are, you know, 54 holes or – uh, but I think for sure you're going to see larger purses. Uh, one of the things that they've said that they're going to find a way to um, that all the th three Keep organizations, the yeah. they're, they're going to bring back in a fair and objective process all the players that can reapply for membership with the PGA Tour. So all is for forgiven and forgotten at this point with uh, the Brooks Kapkas and the, you know, the Bryson DeChambeaus and the Phil Mickelsons of the world. So uh, kumbaya yet again. So they're bringing those guys back in. You know, I, I don't think it's to me. It, it, this has never been about the format. Like I think the players love the fact that yeah, can you make my weekend shorter? Can we go 54 holes? Those are great. It's it's all always about the money. Well, that's the main thing is getting paid to just like all other professional athletes have a contract where whether they get in the NBA game or you know get, they step on the football field or not, they're getting paid. Yeah, and they're getting paid to put on a TV show, which is what the PGA has you know benefited from all these years these these major tournaments where people are watching to see the big names well the big names may not make the cut so now they may have a format where 
all the big names are in the biggest tournaments because they're getting paid to show up. Yeah. I, this reminds me that when I when I saw this story, I immediately thought of that Vince McMahon gif where he's walking <laughs> down the uh, down that ramp, and I thought that's Phil, can somebody superimpose Phil Mickelson's face over that because I feel like there is going to have to be some type of apology tour. I want to know what Tiger Woods has to say. Yeah. Tiger Woods was one of the most vocal people, adamantly against this. Uh, he, along with remember Freddie Couples, called. Uh, Phil Mickelson recently a nutbag, you know. Right, because and of who, these, uh, Greg Norman has been dragged, you know, by his old Greg contemporaries. The, yeah, he's um, like the president of Live, so he's like the the face of the the, the brand. But yeah, I mean, all these guys, uh, Brandel Chambly from uh, the Golf Channel. I mean, he's he's been going at it with Phil, and now it's like, okay, now we're all under the hmm. same umbrella. Interesting how this has switched. And to go back to the structure of this new entity, whatever it's going to be called. So you touched on it earlier, but the PIF, so that that investment group, uh, their governor, his name is Yasir Al Rumyavan, or Rumyan, uh, he is going to join the PGA Tour board policy policy board, uh, the board of directors as well as a new commercial entity will include him as chairman. Yeah, and then Monahan is Jay Monahan is he will be the chief executive officer over this. So these two are like the the two like powers of uh, atop of this board of, of directors this this new board of this entity together it's yeah. it seems to be equal parts shared uh with a huge investment from pif and they're going to create this new thing and it's just so bizarre how does this happen like can, can i read monahan's quote here uh i understand the criticism for me you take the information you have at the time and make decisions in the best interest things have changed what changed your opinion about this Saudi money? Well, because now it's in his bank account. That's it has to be. Here's what I would, you know, you mentioned several people you would like to hear from Tiger Woods. I would like to hear what the PGA says to these 9-11 survivors group that they apparently coordinated with to protest at some of the first live events on American soil. What is what is the PGA telling them today? Yeah, well, I mean, then you get into the whole rabbit hole of, like, where is Saudi money across all sports, across all areas of influence? And I'm, again, we, we did a whole episode right. on this. That's not really the battle that I want to get into. I, I feel like there's probably a lot of stuff, right? And there's a lot of uh, bad countries. My point is— Corrupt countries that are involved in all a lot of a lot of Right. My point is that this validates what you said. Like, this was right. never the PGA's problem. Right. What was where the money was coming from. It, but I just did, never liked the fallacy, the thinness, the insincerity of using— Right. That yeah. as the reason for we no you saw it as a threat to your format your dominance of, of this sport your ability to control the purse strings of these players and now in a year's time you know you've had to come around. Well, there there will be a PR machine that is working overtime to to cast the narrative whatever that's going to be coming out of this and so I'm curious because that that's going to be the number one question how at one point were you against this company based on some type of moral indignation about it being a Saudi-backed company, and now uh, you are fully embracing it, so much so that you guys share positions of power with this these people. Uh, the money is flowing in to your new entity because of them. Like, what have you learned? What has come to light? You and know what so my that's where yeah. you're going to get the spin. You're going to get, you know, you're going to hear wh exactly what that new narrative is going to be. It will be, well, now we feel like as co-partners, we can control how the <laughs> revenue from this is used to better the world, <laughs> you know, yes. to, to wash over some of the yes. bad deeds. Jay Monahan is going to be involved in foreign policy in Saudi Arabia. I right. That will be oh. part of it. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. What a day. It's, uh, it's an interesting twist. And, um, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, like, regardless of whatever your opinion is, does this make golf the game of golf a bigger global brand and stronger Th that that is the last that's the question they're they're going to want to hit on does the game of golf benefit do more people does do we grow our brand based on this move they're going to point back to that they're going to they're going to want to skirt the other issues about how we got here and they're going to say but here's the vision looking forward and that that's the question for you is the game of golf better now 
You know, that is the reason some of the players that went to live stood up and said, even though we all said, no, it's about the money. I think those two things can coexist. Yeah, it could be about getting a fat paycheck. But now I anticipate the PGA using that same, you know, altruistic, we're going to better the game of golf around the world, which is the thing that, you know, people chided the live defectors for when they went over. I don't know, man. But there is going to be, you know, as of this taping, there's going to be this players-only meeting today at uh, with the PGA in Toronto. So there'll gotta, be a lot to come out of that. I got to hear from Tiger. I, I got to know what he has to say about this. Uh, moving on. Uh, a total change of direction here. You see Tom <laughs> Brady went to Disney World with the kiddos? Yeah, I guess he really is never coming back to football. He's given over to the mouse. Well, he, that was Disney World, right? So yeah, it was Disney World, yeah. yeah. He's in the state, you know. He's yeah. still, he still resides <laughs> here, having fun at Disney. Um, but I just couldn't help but think, like, how much different is Tom Brady's experience at Disney World than mine? Because yeah. I despise theme parks. I, I do not want to go. It doesn't interest me at all. We have taken the kids many times. And um, there is just very few moments of pleasure. And most of it is agony. And it drains my wallet, and it drains my patience, and uh, and I just I want to know what Brady's experience is like. What well, do you think Tom Brady's Disney World experience? Well, number is? one, he's not worried about his wallet getting drained like we are. I mean, that four-fingered mouse of capitalism can just shove both hands in there and, and pull out all oh, he needs. But those Brady kids have the biggest Mickey ears. I the, mean, the, <laughs> the first thing we all wanted to know when we saw these pictures come out on social media of him uh, screaming on the Tower of Terror. Yeah is did they wait in the two-hour line like you and I would have done with our families? And and now we know that that's not true. You know, People has come out, People uh, Magazine has People come out magazine. with this piece of where they, um, you know, the Brady, he and his kids apparently got one of these VIP guided tours that I guess the commoners like us could apply or spend money really? on. I don't know what they cost, but, you know. So, so empty your 401k. My, <laughs> I imagine that they were guided around through the theme park. They went to all four, all four Disney World resorts because we've seen pictures of here they are at the, um, I really want to do this one too. I haven't done this yet. Galaxy's Edge. Uh, I've still yet Is to experience. Is that the Star Wars? Yeah. Okay. I need to be one of Brady's kids. No. So, but they had got me. Uh, <laughs> you got, Daddy. You got room in your mansion. I'll wear your underwear. Um, we, <laughs> no, but they, they got one of these VIP guided tours. You know, I guarantee you they didn't wait in any lines. Well, and what's the, the average wait time for, like, these big rides is what, at least two hours? At least two hours. Yeah. And, and the Galaxy's Edge, you're talking, you know, they give you – now, it may have changed since They have campsites in line, I believe. Well, they, <laughs> I, they basically give you a, you know, come back six hours later at this time Ugh. card. Uh, but you can go do whatever, and we'll hold your place in line. I don't know what that process is called, but brutal. Yeah, that's that's what that's called. Uh, you know, if I could, I, I did the math here. If if I if my theme park experience was not waiting in lines, so let's say the average ride is like four minutes. It's probably it's less than low. that. But yeah, I think less. Yeah, about two minutes. They, they have some that are different. Like if it's a roller coaster, it's like. 90 seconds but if it's those if dang it's like uh, the seven theme, dwarfs they're done in 30 seconds okay all right so let's let's say the average ride is like four minutes okay uh and it takes me uh, maybe 10 minutes in between rides okay so now i and i want to go on the 10 best rides mm-hmm. so i'm in and out in two hours less than two and a half hours if that's what my uh, theme park experience was, man, sign me up. You're okay. I'm okay. You'll with even that. buy the kids some souvenirs. If probably. it's any longer than two and a half hours, though, count me <laughs> out. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it, and it's, especially as the the weather starts to heat up too. Oh boy! But those are when the lines start to shrink. All right. Uh, how about things that I do want to try? Um, mm. We're back into the uh, competitive fooding food eating discussion here. Uh, a gentleman. Uh, he is an MLE star, so that is major league eating. Uh, he's a star, James Webb. He took down Joey Chestnut's uh, record. What? Chestnut Chestnut went down? Yeah, Chestnut had the record of donuts. <laughs> 55 glazed donuts in eight minutes was Joey's uh, Jaws' big record before. And this gentleman, Mr. Webb, uh, he consumed 59 and a half in eight minutes. So I think it's Whoa. just, can we can we give it up? Can we get That's up to James Webb? 59 and a half? Yeah. You couldn't finish the other half, James? Well, couldn't hit an even 60? Do, how many can, do you believe you could consume uh, reasonably in eight minutes? You're not worried about calories. Oh, it, now I need to know. Let's Are these crispy, cri- let's okay, crispy, crispy, cream, crispy glazed. cream glazed? In eight minutes, I could eat 20 of those. In eight minutes? Yeah. 
what comes in? It's a dozen in a box. A dozen in a box. But okay. it, see, those are like cotton candy. They, they Especially they you melt. want. You got to get them when the, the hot now light is on. Okay. Don't get the old cold ones that they go sit out in grocery stores. You know, on yeah, a that, display. That'll take longer to process. Yeah, those are chewy. You want the hot now because those things like melt in your mouth. Yeah. So I could. I think I, you could probably stick about four in at one time. I could force twenty of those down my gullet in eight minutes. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't. We have a Krispy Kreme like a, a stone's yeah. throw from us here. Well, we should have. Nobody wants to see that. I would have died. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would have died. I think what? it was like. I think it's like over 15,000 calories, um, and that, that seems like an, an undershot. Uh, but, yeah, I, I feel like it does matter the type of donut. Yeah. Um, if, it, if it is Krispy Kreme, they are unique. I mean, even like when I compare the two ma- big manufacturers, the, the two heavy hitters here, Dun- Dunkin' yeah. Donuts and, uh, and Krispy Kreme, they're big difference in their glazed, glazed donuts. It, they're like totally different, uh, the material. Dunkin's being thick, cakey. Cakey, Cakey and glazed. And yeah. I, there's no, uh, how many of those could I eat in eight minutes? Maybe three. You probably, <laughs> I mean, do you think you would get more full or nauseous from the amount of sugar first? Uh, probably nauseous from the amount. I'd probably pass out after about 10. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? How many of the crispy creams do you think you could put think, down in eight w- minutes? I think you would be impressed. I think you would be really impressed. Oh, to tell me. Yeah. What I, do you think? Know. Put a number on it. I said 20. Could you be I mean, my 20? I think, I think I can go probably two glazed donuts at a time. Okay. I think I'm getting through a box in three minutes. A box. So so you got twelve. So, you get a, so you get twelve so, and three minutes. Another twelve. So, so, so twelve, twelve. You're six. at twenty-four. Okay. You're okay. doing thirty. So that's, that's I got thirty in eight minutes. I think I'm halfway. We, we to have the world, to Brian, halfway to the world record. Send Timothy the intern right now to Krispy Kreme. We've got to put this to the test. If this man can. Oh, eat I'm not going to do it oh. because uh, I will die. I will. I will. Com- I will immediately die. We don't want you to die. We have another show to tape after Um, this. But anyway, I want to see this guy. I want to see which ones he ate, though. Did you say which which variety? I think he's just glazed. Yeah. But he's not getting like an assorted box. I know, but. Uh, Can I get a maple bar? No, here's what I'm asking. With bacon? <laughs> he, picked, he picked out all 59 and a half donuts. Uh, let's see. Can I get a cruller? Uh, let me get an old-fashioned. Are you out of the apple fritters? I, I hate it when you run How out of How many of these no. do you need? What I'm asking is, did he get the uh, lighter uh, Krispy Kreme type variety, or was he going glazed cakey? Do yeah. we know? Because that I, makes I, a difference. It does. That's what I'm saying. It does. Uh, and I don't know. I, Here's what I want. All I have is the record, Chris. All, that's all I got. All right. I, 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 I don't know who was the man. I told you to research this and watch all the videos. Did you know that there is this race? I'm looking for it now. Um, North Carolina, Wilmington, I believe, being the home of Krispy Kreme. There's a Krispy Kreme 10K that one of my friends has run where you run the first half of the race mm-hmm. you eat six Krispy Kreme okay. so after the first 5k and then you bolt back to the finish but your, your your official time isn't official until you eat the other six Krispy Kreme okay. and every I've known, known a couple of people who have done it and the feeling is one of mixed great satisfaction and great illness yeah all combined what is what's the distance again it's a 10k okay all right yeah huh yeah Krispy Kreme a- challenge I'm sorry yeah. I feel like that's kind of a wash, though, because you're probably burning the, the those calories as you go. So. 2,400 calories, 12 donuts, 5 miles, 1 hour. You have 1 hour to do it. Let's do it. Let's take a field trip. Yeah. Do you think we can be sponsored? We could. <laughs> Live a Saudi fund? Yes. Uh, call us. Well, can you imagine if, if Duncan and Crispy merged together? Oh. If they If they came together. Put their differences aside. I think so. Yes. But then you like, would hope that they go with the Krispy Kreme version of the glaze. Duncan probably has more money, so I think they're going to be the, the main fueler of, of the cash flow. Right. But I think Krispy Kreme might have the better recipe. I think they do. I'm uh, biased, but yeah. uh, Duncan the, has the better coffee. I'll give them that. Oh, I don't like their coffee. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, do you like Krispy Kreme's coffee? Cause I, don't, I don't go to donut places for coffee, Chris. I go to donut <laughs> places for donuts. <laughs> Uh, right. The donuts. Um, All right. Now I'm hungry. I want some donuts, but it's time to talk a little hockey. What do you say? Uh, okay. Let's All do right. it. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Well, let's welcome in real, uh, radio color analyst for the Florida Panthers, also a member of that 1995-96 Panthers team that last made to the cup final. We welcome Bill Lindsay into the No Off Days podcast. And, and Bill, I, I guess it's worth reminding yeah. at this point we, we sit 0-2 in this series. Uh, but if you look back to that opening series against Boston, down 3-1, yet you guys fought back and, uh, and of course, won that. So where is this team now uh, two games into this series? What's the, what's the mental state of this team and kind of the motivation moving into game three? The mental state's fine. They're comfortable. 
with the adversity they've had a, throughout the course of this season and being around some of the players, Matthew Kachuk, Sam Bennett, uh, they've they've got a little snarl on. They're upset about what happened. They've got to play better. They've got to stay out of the penalty box. Got to make some adjustments. Vegas was good. They threw everything at them. They got scoring throughout their lineup. They knew this was going to be a tough test. Uh, long layoff. Uh, I thought they'd been overzealous at times, trying to do too much. Uh, just sometimes, just do your own job, play your own position. So if they get caught up, just get back to the basics of the game, get back onto home ice, feed off the energy of the crowd, win game number three, and series can flip on a dime. It, it doesn't take much, but it is, it's pressure-packed now. Game three almost becomes a must-win for the Panthers, so the Panthers are going to have to formulate maybe their best game of the postseason if they want to get back in this. As Scott alluded to, Panthers down two games in that first series against the Bruins, won three in a row, so they're used to the pressure pack situation there. Much of that was on the shoulders of Bobrovsky, your goaltender. Uh, throughout that series, he really flipped it. Uh, how do how do we see him bouncing back from what was just a, a, a brutal performance the other night? You know, 13 uh, shots on him and four goals allowed before they pull him. Sergey Bobrovsky, uh, he'll, be, he'll be all right. He's got a short-term memory. He's been at it a long time, and part of this just coincides hand-in-hand hand with what's going on with the team in front of him. You look at the first couple of goals that went, that went in, there were screens. Brett Howden on a breakaway was the goal that he got pulled on. Bobrovsky, he's got this ability. He's been in the league long enough that it doesn't just phase him. He knows that what has to happen is next game. Uh, just kind of look back at the tape, whatever you want mistakes from the last game he's got to be better than Aiden Hill down at the other end though that is a factor Aiden Hill if you want to point out up to this point has been better than Sergei Bobrovsky Jack Eichel's been better than than Matthew Kachuk or, or Barkoff uh, you could go down their lineup they're getting Vegas is getting contributions from everywhere their defensemen fourth line third line Panthers that has not been the same sort of story special teams have heard them you can there's a laundry list that you could go through in the first couple of games. Sergey Bobrovsky, to me, is way down on that list as far as the, the concerns that I have heading into game number three. Well, and Paul Maurice has, has said that, you know, he's he's our guy. We're going to stick with him. And a lot of times, you know, we've seen that up in Tampa when, when you know, you mm -hmm. have a, a great goaltender and Andre Vasilevsky and, and kind of the confidence can be shaken at a point in time. And we've seen John Cooper stand by his guy. And I think sometimes that goes a long way, especially in that locker room. Uh, but you did hit on penalties, and it seems to be that one of the major storylines so far through the first couple of games of this series. Uh, how, do you, how do you get better on special teams mid-course? <laughs> for one you got to stay on the penalty box all this stuff at the end of the game they just want to throw guys out and once the game's out of hand i'm not concerned about penalties at that point of the game the penalties that concern me are the the, the lomberg one in game number two right at the start that mar leads to the march so goal that puts them up one to nothing brandon montour takes a bad penalty in the first period you have the one to nothing lead in game number one uh, you take a penalty they score on the power play you just have to your discipline had to, it has to be between the the whistles and just not not over the edge uh, so that if they can clean that up and only be shorthanded two or three times a game they they're, they're going to be fine they're putting too much pressure on their penalty killers and then the power play is 0 for 7 in this series and you look back at the first three rounds their power plays come up big in critical situations for them it hasn't blown the roof off, but at critical times, especially in the Carolina series, it scored goals. It changed momentum. It had a chance in game number two when they were down one to nothing and just had a flurry of chances, had five shots. Aiden Hill made a number of saves. Uh, so that was a positive sign. The game got out, of, got, a, got out of hand from there. But Paul Maurice talking to him, he wants to see more urgency on the power play, more desperation. I guess that could be said for this whole whole team that there, ha there has to be more sense of a heightened awareness of, of the surroundings and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish as a as a team it it's gotten to a way where it's been individualistic at times as far as the penalties you can de describe that as you just taking matters into your own hands that this team has got it everything they've gotten to this point has been as one as a group so they have to get back to that four checking style cleaning up the middle of the ice and see if they can 
they have to they have to face make Vegas chase the game, play with the lead. They have to have a sustained lead, maybe one or two goals, and make Vegas chase because Vegas ahead has really opened up the Panthers, opened up some seams. So look for the Panthers to try and really in game number three in the first period have a clean period, uh, stay out of the penalty box, make it five on five action try and get the lead, try and get the home crowd energized. And if you do that, get off to a good start, then the the balance tilts back into your favor and hopefully you can win that game number three. Bill, I'd love to hear your perspective, just big picture on this season and really the last couple of seasons where the Panthers are and what it means to you personally because you were so closely intertwined with that culture down there, having spent some of the best years of your long NHL career there with Florida and, as Scott said, being part of that 95-96 Panthers team that made the Stanley Cup final. I know you would love to see nothing more than a Stanley Cup come <laughs> home to South Florida and plans for a boat parade or whatever it may be. But um, we we don't know if we're there yet. You know, we, we got to keep playing hockey. No. But but big picture, wh- how proud are you are how proud of are you of what this franchise has elevated itself to? Where year in and year out, it's kind of like what we've seen here in Tampa Bay with the Lightning. You guys are up there at the top. You're contenders. Uh, you're a legitimate threat every year to, to be in the hunt for a cup. What does that mean to you personally? It's been awesome. It's meant a lot. There's been a lot of down years here, and it goes back into the early 90s when we started back there when Tampa Bay was coming into the league. But we, we were able to get off and hit the ground running, and we captured the hearts and the imagination of this fan base. Miami Arena was rocking Stanley Cup year number three. It was it was a hockey city and it went away and it was unfortunate. I knew if we could just get back to winning. So Florida, you have to win. Yet the product has to be good, especially in hockey. But but there is a market for it. You see it over there in Tampa Bay. What you guys have been able to do with your success. You guys have a rabid fan base, a rabid following, and that's what we had in the early '90s. So to see it after all those years of down years and just not making the playoffs get in maybe once every five six years get knocked out in the first round now you've made the playoffs for four consecutive years you won a president's trophy you've had all these really good battles with tampa bay which is great for the rivalry and spice things up it's the first time the panthers and the lightning have been good together at the same time throughout the history of our existences so to, to have that that extra rivalry come to another level and now get to a Stanley Cup, have another chance after 27 years. It's just, to me, I fell in love with South Florida when I got down here with the people and I've made so many friends over the course of the years. To see us back and be prominent, uh, featured in the news, a lot of coverage down here and see the enjoyment from the fans that have had a lot of tough years, our season ticket holders that have stuck with us. To me, it means the world. Uh, it's home now. I've, kept a base here for, for pretty much 30 years uh, so I know a lot of the community this community means a lot to me so what this Panther group has done with Vinny Viola the ownership the commitment and getting to a Stanley Cup again after 27 years it is absolutely uh, special for me well Bill you know history is the best teacher and when we look back to that 96 run uh, and of course, you had the the game winning goal there in Game Five that clinched the first ever series uh, win for the Panthers. But then you advanced to the to the Stanley Cup final, and you guys were swept in four. But I wonder if you look back at that time and think, okay, there are some parallels. At least how the first two games have gone this year. Was there a point in yeah. that series where you feel like things could have turned and didn't? What what can you take from your experience in the in the Cup final run? to apply to this year's team yeah to to my experience we were went to a game seven and it happened quickly we had to fly straight to denver day off and all of a sudden we started the stanley cup against a really good colorado team we're down two to nothing quickly tried to get back home and you never feel that you're out of it but the the two games that we lost at home were one goal games they were close and the game four was triple overtime so you're never going to quit. You're never going to be out of it. It's a lifelong dream. And I would say that same thing to these players. They've got more talent than we had in 96. They've got a better group around them. They've already knocked off some the historically great team in Boston. The Leafs were one of the best in the league. Carolina. Vegas has played their best hockey. They're 
they're not out of the realm for this Panther team to come back. And if they play their best and do things right, that they can get back into this series. But they know that these opportunities just don't come around too often. They're rare. And it, if you asked, if you asked me or any player at the start of the season, said, okay, you're going to be in the Stanley Cup, but you're going to have to start down with a two-game deficit, would you sign up for that right now at the start of the season? Every player in the league would say, yes, <laughs> sure. just get me in the cup. Uh, give me a chance. Uh, so that's sort of, sort of that's where your mindset has to be is we got here. And if, we saw, if you told us at the start of the year that we would have to do it this way, we would take our odds and we would take our chances. So Panthers have climbed up over adversity. They're going to have to rise up again this to me compared to 96 it's not as daunting colorado against we we had a our, our lineup did just didn't have a ton of talent in in it as far as natural goal scoring ability and that kind of hurt us against patrick wall we just weren't able to score goals but this team with kachuk barkoff bennett the defense core they got the star net like we did they they they've got a little bit more potential to come out of a two to nothing hole than we did in 1996 and we still had one goal games at at home you we've seen it in the playoffs this year we saw what happened with the new jersey devils that they actually got beat twice on home ice in that opening round against the new jersey rangers pretty bad and uh, they bounced back in good form beat the the rangers a couple of times on the road and all the series all of a sudden the series looked different and the devils ended up winning um you just have to take it one shift at a time and go from there. You can't worry about the past. You can't worry about the future. These are the cards that have been dealt to you at this very moment. How do you handle it? How do you perform from here on out is going to decide your fate. Well, and that's what separates the NHL playoffs is that even being down 0-2, that, that is not insurmountable by, by any stretch. It always starts with one, turns this whole series around, and I, I know that uh, – Panther greats in the past, you included, are watching and hoping that uh, <laughs> at, at, in the near future that cup gets lifted uh, down there in Sunrise. Bill Lindsay, we appreciate your time. Thank you for giving us uh, a little bit more insight into the Panthers' mindset as they get ready to continue this series down down south. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Best thank of luck. Thank you so much for the time. Yeah, thank you so much. Chris, what do you say we flip it on the other side and get the other team's perspective now? For more on that, we bring in Senior VP of Hockey Programming and Facilities with, of course, the Vegas Knights. Also serves as a TV and radio analyst for the team. Darren Elliott joins the No Off Days podcast. Darren, thank you so much. You know, Knights with a, a big game two win, now up 2-0 in the series as we tape this interview. Uh, pretty rare to, to see what the Knights did to the Panthers in game two, seven, two kind of dismantling. What, what has the, been the biggest factor so far in this series through your eyes? Uh, they haven't gotten too far ahead of themselves. Veteran team. Um, you know, they, they had real good discipline uh, when challenged uh, when there's been, you know, the, the Panthers all, all season, one of the most penalized teams in the league, most penalized team in, in the playoffs. Uh, so your your power play has to to be timely and work. So that happened last night um, in game two. They, you know, they took an undisciplined penalty right off the bat after they had a really good start, to be quite honest. And the the Golden Knights scored, and and then from there, you know, they got a couple of timely saves themselves and scored again, and then kind of rolled from there. So you know, discipline and and, and timely scoring. Um, you know, they finished plays last night certainly. Discipline, timely scoring, and depth, too. And let's talk about what, what the Golden Knights have put together here. I mean, the, the, the production from all of the lines has been outstanding through the playoffs. You had, uh, of the 18 players that have suited up in this series, at this point as we tape this, 15 have scored in some capacity. Every player recorded a point in the series against the Stars. Did this depth, uh, Darren, always exist? Was it this way uh, throughout the season? Or is this something that really coalesced just in time for this playoff run? No, it's been there all year. It's actually been a uh, a talking point for Bruce Cassidy coming over from the Boston Bruins um, right from training camp. He said the, he likes to roll four lines and three defense uh, pairs because he says you don't have to worry about if you're good enough, if they earn their ice time, you don't have to worry about matchups. So we'll see that more in game three and game four. He, you know, he'll start the fourth line like he did in game one and game two. And he won't worry about the other team's top line being out there against his fourth line. The fourth line with Nick Waugh in the middle 
is a, isn't really a fourth line, but but that's what they call it, correct? But they've tried other things throughout the year where he wasn't the centerman. They put him on the wing on other lines, moved him up in the lineup because he can play up there. But when you have Carrier and, and Colasar on the wings with Nick Watt in the middle, um, here's a guy that kills penalties and plays on the second power play and he's your fourth line center. So, yes, it's been a point of emphasis for the coaching staff and the players have absolutely uh, embraced it because it has to be embraced at the top as well, guys, right? Like Jack Eichel and, and Mark Stone, they don't play 20 minutes, 22 minutes. They play 18. Um, so your, your top guys have to embrace that team philosophy as well for the fourth line to, to have those opportunities. Then they have to make the most of it, and they sure have. I know the Tampa Bay Lightning fans here uh, are keeping an eye on Jonathan Marshall. So, and since he's left, <laughs> that's kind of been the case. Yeah. And he stepped up big for you guys, uh, certainly. And, and we've seen that uh, here on displays. You know, as you touched on, Chris, you know, you, you got 10 goal scorers in the 12 goals that have been scored already through the first two games. And, of course, Marshall's so coming through a couple of times for you guys. Uh, but you, you touched on special teams. You know, yeah. th- that has really been one of the big stories to this point in this series to be able to do that to this team. And we see the feistiness on on the ice and how do you stay disciplined when the tempers are escalating you talk about the 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 hit that jack eichel you know took the yep. other day um how, how do you do that do you expect the feistiness the the kind of controlling the ability to not you know have penalties that could change the dynamic here i would imagine that's going to be the story moving forward how do you keep that under control it's a veteran team like i said before you've got that has to come from the room. The coaches can emphasize it and talk about it, and they do. Um, but you've got, you know, you've got captains like from former teams like Petrangelo, uh, Alec Martinez, got two guys that have won Stanley Cups. Uh, they talk about winning hurts. Uh, it's okay to get hit hard in June. Those are the kinds of things they're talking about, the sacrifices needed to win a Stanley Cup. And, and I think that's, like I said, not getting too far ahead of yourself. It's like, you can have the instant gratification of punching the guy in the face, um, or you can, you know, take a number, wait your turn, uh, and if it comes around, uh, you know, make sure you get what you need out of that situation at a later date, um, or or just let it go and, and and try to win the game instead. That Eichel hit, I'm telling you, it, it looked wow. really bad on the ice, and when he was it talking did. after the game, he was just, it seemed like it was no big deal, <laughs> nothing unfazed by it. Tough as well, nails. You know, you know, you could, well, it's, it, that's one thing, right? I, I was, he looked like he got wrecked. And, and and so to see him come back is a boost to his teammates and maybe a little bit of a, you know, a, a pause or a shru, you know, slumping of the shoulders for the Panthers. But the good news for, for Jack Eichel, here's a guy that, as we know, just, you know, with less than 18 months ago, you know, had neck fusion surgery. Mm-hmm. And so to, to take a hit like that, and get up and be you know nonplussed by it is like okay, good on the overall, good in the short term, and, and good for Jack Eichel and his health. Uh, let's talk about maybe you can help me understand this. One of the quirkier things about the Stanley Cup Final: rats and yeah. flamingos. I, I I think these two things are misplaced. So at the when the when the Vegas when the Golden Knights win, fans are tossing pink. Uh, pink plastic flamingos mm-hmm. onto the yeah. ice. Now, that is a bird that we would associate with South Florida. We all remember the iconic opening to Miami Vice. You see the flamingos down there in Miami. Right. Yet we have the boys in South Florida throwing rats onto the ice, whereas the rat pack yeah. is from Vegas. Yeah. Do these two things, or would you guys consider a trade uh, of these objects at the end of the season? Is that a possibility? I don't, I don't think so. I, you know, I don't think so. Maybe uh, if, if the Golden Knights win, uh, they might be open to, to a bunch of things, um, but we know that the uh, we know that the rats go date way back uh, with with the Florida Panthers. Uh, Scott Mellenby, right, who shot a rat in the old uh, Miami Arena, uh, killed it with a shot in in the in the locker room. Uh, Laura has it, and that's how it became the, on the on their way to the the time they were the Stanley Cup in 1996. So that's where that came from. Pink flamingos. Well, let's face it, you've got the uh, the it's plastic. Right, that's plastic as Vegas. But, uh, uh, that's true. <laughs> right, right. So, so you've got it as dec- decorative. Uh, this became a thing. A couple of people started throwing them, and this all stems from what do you throw a, a, in in victory? Uh, stems from the Detroit Red Wings, right? With with the octopus uh, back when it used to take eight games when it was a six-team league to win the Stanley Cup. So, 
Um, lots of lots of history linking up there with uh, things being tossed on the ice. Well, Darren, this is kind of the point in the series where the challenge kind of comes to you guys because though you have dominated through the first two games, the question sure. comes back to could complacency be setting in at this point? You're obviously going to be going into Sunrise, and, and it's going to be a fired-up Panthers team and a building that is has their backs against the wall. Uh, do you look at this at this upcoming Game 3 as really kind of the linchpin in the series? Sure can be, can't it? I mean, it's – you can – not win the series, but you can put yourself in, in as close a position as possible. They haven't gotten ahead of themselves, like I said, all season long, a veteran team. And, you know, they they, they had this opportunity uh, in Winnipeg. Um, so, so they, you know, in Dallas, they had to go in. They, they lost at home. They had to go to Dallas in game six. So they've been a good road team. Um, and they haven't been phased one way or the other. Uh, in terms of, like I said, getting ahead, oh, we've won two, oh, all we have to do is win this game. That's not the the mindset. It's like, okay, the mindset is the next game. And then whatever happens from there, it's still just the next game. I know that's the worst cliche going, but that <laughs> they've been able to to use that um, mantra, if you will, uh, pretty pretty routinely all season long. Well, it's a cliche for a reason because typically that is the the winning <laughs> right. recipe. I got to ask you, Darren, a, a totally unrelated yeah. hockey question. As I yeah. look at Vegas as a sports market now, uh, you got the goat uh, now p buying a piece of those Vegas Raiders. Uh, the Oakland yeah. A's are going to be there at some point in time. Of course, you guys are now in, in the Cup final and, and trying to lift Lord Stanley's Cup. Uh, what has happened to that Vegas sports market to where now it is a it's a major your player well the golden knights it, it got here and it became the community's team i've never seen anything like it. i've been in the league and in the game a lot for a long time and, and it's it's a reciprocal bond that they've formed here uh, with the fans loving the team and the team out in the community loving um the fan base and and it's uh it's a party uh it's vegas in the rink it, it, it's done over the top and everybody has a great time locally, even if it's not understood that well or appreciated elsewhere. Um, with that has come, like the Raiders are here, uh, Formula One's coming here, uh, UFC was already here. I think the biggest change really is once they had a team here and now the proliferation of, of sports betting and apps, that was always a danger, right? Oh, you can't have a team in Vegas. Now that that's become leagues, um, I, I think some of those barriers have been broken down um, in, in terms of who's allowed to be here. And I think it's just going to grow from here. Tom Brady just can't wait to get his underwear into your guys' market. I think that's the goal. There you go. That's the goal. There's that too. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Darren, we appreciate it. As always, uh, you know, the insights to to kind of give us a little different perspective as, sure. as to how we think through the Stanley Cup final. But to this point, it has been all nights. We'll see if this becomes a series at some point as now you guys shift to the away ice. Darren Elliott, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Darren. Scott, Chris, you bet. Ah. Well, we have gotten our fill of hockey and, yeah. and donuts at this point, but I don't think we've touched on construction enough. <laughs> I felt like that was kind of the, yeah, the last cog in this wheel. So let's bring in BK. Um, let's discuss construction, okay? As you teased off the top of the show, uh, we are going to select which buildings were took longer to build. Is that is that right? Yeah, we could do that, or you can pick which ones took less time to build. Okay, well you're You'll the one doing. Answers. You're the host of this show. Let's right do now. which ones take longer to build. Okay. 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 Longer. Longer to build. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. First one, the Colosseum in Rome. Okay. And Taj Mahal. Which one took longer to build? Hmm. Well, I think the Colosseum is older. I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the construction of that would probably, you know, more rudimentary. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, Taj is, uh, is more detailed. I'm going to say the Colosseum took longer. I'm going to say because it looks like they never finished the Colosseum. It's got a huge chunk <laughs> missing out of it. What is so, <laughs> building codes? Someone find my level. Um, I'm going to say Taj Mahal took longer because of its ornate uh, yeah, decor. Wow. <laughs> the Taj Mahal took longer. Took 20 years. Coliseum only took seven years. Well, seven or eight, eight years. Yeah, yeah, seven or eight. Seven well, or eight is what they said. Okay. But, yeah, it's really? eight years to finish that. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, I've, I've been to the Coliseum, and yes. it is impressive. It is very large. 
and there are giant stones. Right. Yeah. So. And plus, there's mini levels and floors okay. and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Well, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I guess so. I was so. trying to go count them. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, how about the Great Pyramid of Giza oh. and mm. Notre Dame Cathedral? Which mm. one of those took the longest time now, to build? Well, aliens helped on the left. Okay. That's like <laughs> podcast you've been listening to. <laughs> Theories of the third kind yeah. strikes again. Uh, let's see. Which one took longer? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the cathedral. I, you know these these like medieval um, uh, church buildings. They took lifetimes to build, yeah. and so there was a lot more. There wasn't a lot to do back in the day in Egypt. You're not watching Netflix, so we're building. We're building the big pyramid. Yeah, I'm gonna say uh, pyramid. I'm gonna say they, you know, because they were using uh, again rudimentary methods of moving these large bricks. They had a, a lot of slave labor involved. Alien, there were aliens. probably some. Yeah, the aliens went on strike for two years and didn't come back and help. I'll say the pyramid of Giza. I would say the pyramid as well. I think it's huge. It's actually the Notre Dame Cathedral. That yeah, took so 90 years to build. They're still but, reconstructing yeah, it. Yeah, because it, it was burned up, remember? Yeah, yeah, but that was, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the pyramid, only 20 years? Holy God, smokes. Those Egyptians yeah. were efficient. Yeah. I mean, you how long have they been working seems, on the interstate here? Yeah. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you know that just uh, any church. This isn't a, you know a one one particular denomination, but churches have struggled sometimes getting you know to agree well, on things. I guess so. Yeah, committees. Bil yeah, committees get involved. I mean, if you look at some of the, like in Europe, their 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 church buildings, like there's such fine detail. It's incredible. In every little nook and cranny. So it doesn't surprise me. Wow. Well, Whereas okay. that pyramid was just slopped together yeah, in a manner just, of... They, <laughs> they just beamed it. They, <laughs> they zapped it up. Okay, how about the next one here? <clears throat> kind of tricky. Washington Monument or Lincoln Memorial? Okay. I feel like I know the answer to this, but I again... Well, you lived in D.C., so you should. Well, there was a, a big delay in the Washington Monument, uh, I believe. And you can actually see the delineation of the stones are, are different uh, about... I don't know, maybe like 20 feet up. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say that the monu the Washington Monument took longer than the Lincoln Memorial. Okay. Well, he gave some real facts there, so I feel like I should just go with what he said. Plus, I remember when Nicolas Cage was looking for that treasure, part yeah. of the Washington Monument. I think he found it in part that wasn't completed. So, yeah, let's go Monument. Yeah. It is actually Washington Monument. Okay, And good. even in construction time, not even counting the delay, it was 14 years to build. Mm. Whereas Lincoln Memorial, I, I, this astounds me too, eight years. That yeah. thing's huge in yeah. just eight years. And nobody knows this too. This is another fact I know. That, Here we go. Uh, the Lincoln is actually built to scale. That's how big Abraham Lincoln was. <laughs> well, I, I believe yeah. his stovetop hat was that big. Was I didn't know he was that big. Oh, wow. Uh, no, here's an actual fact. The Washington Monument is actually sinking. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. Sink so it. it'll be like the um, Leaning Tower of Pisa? One of these days, of you'll be able to climb to the top. Wow. Well, maybe at that time I'll go see it. Until yeah. then, I don't want to see a fully, you know, straight All right. monument. How about the last one here? Statue of Liberty or the Eiffel Tower? Hmm. Mm. Mr. Mm. Guy de Eiffel, his tower was hated by Parisians when he first constructed it for a world fair back in around late mm -hmm. 1800s. People hated it. Um, Let's see. France also gave us the Statue of Liberty. So those, both these were built on a, a French budget uh, sense of time. Yes. Yeah, budget. a French sense of time. Um, I will say it took the Eiffel Tower longer. Uh, I'm gonna go. Well, yeah, that probably makes sense because if I spend more time making something, I'm gonna keep it. If I spend a lot of time on something, I'm not gonna give it away, no, especially yeah. to a country I barely know. Yeah, they just like you're just a brand new fledgling country. Like this took us, you know, it didn't take us that long. They have a mold somewhere and printed yeah. out like 46 of these. Yeah, this and was like they were yeah, gonna give it to every one country. Of the, the factory seconds, I believe. Yeah. So I'm gonna go Eiffel. Yeah. Well, the Statue of Liberty was a it's a sculpture that he made and then 22 he had 22 months. So 22 months for the Eiffel Tower. Can you believe Wait, that? What? 22 months. Less than two Less years. Less than two years. And people go up there? Yes. Man, we, that's that's like a shanty. Shaky. Yeah. It's like with these uh, convenience store mall, strip mall fairs that you see. Made out of toothpicks. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was... Well, no so wonder the French people thought it was... Uh, terrible. Yeah. 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 Like this yeah. together in 22 months? You took it 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> you give the Americans that now we're Italian again, but you give them the thing you spent a decade on. Now that we've offended all of the great monuments of the world and some great countries... Oh, we got a couple of them right. Yeah. Yeah, y'all did good. 22 months, huh? Yeah, that surprised mm. me. Yeah. That, that would take uh, less time 
than to build uh, the new Rays uh, stadium. Whatever well, it's gonna yes, be. whatever that's going to be. Oh, I think it took less time to build our beautiful sky tower radar tower that we have outside here. It's so. yeah, it's a fair equivalent. That's a that's Eiffel a, Tower and Sky Tower, national treasure as well. It's <laughs> probably gold hidden in there somewhere. Yes, need to go oh, explore that it. Was, that was fun. All right, Thanks, very guys. good. Thanks, BK. Appreciate it. Um, if you want to watch our full-length podcast, head to fox13news.com slash nodpod. Hit that QR code on the screen. We also uh, have social media, so follow us there. Uh, big thanks to our guest today, talking some hockey with Darren Elliott of the Vegas Knights and then Bill Lindsay of the Florida Panthers. And uh, I think it's going to be an exciting finish. I don't think it's – I'm, I'm, I'm saying no sweep. Okay. I'm, I think it's going to be an exciting finish to the Stanley Cup, just yeah. like all of playoff hockey is. It's good to the last drop, just like whatever you have there in that mug of yours, Chris. You don't have to say no more. It's coffee say from no Krispy Kreme, right. and you hate it. All right. Until the next time we are on, there are no off days. <laughs>